Hi, welcome to Shakti Stories Podcast, where we talk about embodiment, pleasure, dreams, relationships, and psychotherapy. We ask what is the feminine, and where does women's sexuality and eros meet soul in today's modern world? My name is Angela Anamkara, and I'm so glad you're here. I hope you love Shakti Stories. If it touches you, please head over to iTunes to give it a five-star review and follow me on Spotify to receive new episodes as they're released. Come, come closer. Let me take you to your seat. This is your seat of practice, a place of awakening, a place of returning. Exhale, amazing one. You have arrived. You never left. Let me wash your feet in rose water. Let me rest my hands on your shoulders for a few breaths. Let me anoint your forehead with fragrant sandalwood paste. Root yourself, sweet one, in the inner Varasana. Take the hero's seat within you. This seat is made of reverence and courage, of a vast clear warmth that keeps luring you out of the fragmented labyrinth of your mental world. It reminds me to stay inside the living, breathing body of the world. Take the hero's seat. It is noble and beautiful. It is yours. It is a seat in a circle of yoginis, a timeless lineage of feminine spiritual practitioners. Soul sisters are walking, dancing, crawling, soaring, and stumbling by your side, all the way into the untamed realms of the real. These are Shamali Arda's words from her Lalita Devi Sadhana. Shamali is a yogini and women's wisdom keeper. Her love of decoding and experimenting with ancient wisdom teachings through her own practice in yogini circles all over the world has crystallized maps of spiritual awakening and leadership that are accessible, practical, and honoring of women today. Rooted in earth honoring, devotional women's spirituality, and goddess-centered tantric yoga, she is especially appreciated for her love of mythology and storytelling as a key to spiritual awakening and embodiment. So thank you so much for joining us today, Shamali. I'm honored to be here. I just did your, I was telling you a second ago, but I just did your Lalita Devi Sadhana, and it was just so beautiful. I just love how it was, it was so inviting, like it was just so welcoming for me to be in my own body and experience, as opposed to kind of in my thinking mind and trying to (laughs) learn from, you know, that kind of like memorizing state. Instead, it's like, oh, this is just about opening and opening more. Mm, Yeah. And it's an important point that you are highlighting is that, you know, spiritual practice is not happening in the future or towards a certain state, or, you know, it is in, in the intimacy of your beingness meeting with these practices and our obligations i would say is to stay loyal to that unique way these wisdom teachings are touching us because that's how they stay alive yeah and evolving like the rest of the world so instead of it becoming this dusty dogma that we have to fit into and compare ourselves with which by the way is a setup, especially for women, because your experience will never be the same as, uh, you know, most of these uh, scriptures were written by men for men. Yes. And um, 
but that doesn't mean that it's not universal wisdom for everybody there, but it just means that we have to kind of take leadership in one way to stay loyal to, mm-hmm. to our own experience. And that's how, how the lineage and, and the work is evolving. Well, yeah, for the last couple of years, I've been meeting with women, asking them for Shakti stories, like what is the feminine to you? And so when I heard your, I think I actually first heard um, your encounter with Toko Pa, I think that was a couple of years ago, maybe. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, just like, it's exactly the (laughs) the wavelength that I really want to um, keep devoting myself to and really staying with. Because, you know, especially today, it feels like everything's so fragmented and there's just such polarization, you know, and I'm like really trying to stay true to that inner voice. So I wanted to ask you a little bit, that was one thing you had said was in that retreat, you said not a conditioned awakening only when retreating, but an awakening inside the world. So really grounding, it sounds like this, your teachings in in our day to day. My experience is that the return of the goddess into our spirituality is a return or an invitation into wholeness. Because for so long, we have been conditioned and indoctrinated with uh, a false split between matter and spirit, as if they are two different things. And that spirit is found away from body, away from feelings, away from earth, uh, somewhere later, somewhere up in some transcended space. Uh, which has some truth to it because there is a tremendous liberation to awaken to a dimension of ourselves that is not conditioned by the form it takes. Yeah. But because our spirituality has been so influenced by a certain kind of consciousness that rejects the feminine, this kind of fetishism, fetishism of the transcendent results in another split. So yes, you can have your freedom and you sit on the meditation cushion, you can experience peace and love. But the moment you open your eyes and the habit starts to set in, feels as if, oh, now I'm losing my realization. I lost it. I had it in the retreat, but now I lost it when I spoke with my partner, for example. And in the goddess view, there is no split in the totality. There is just nowhere to split totality. So that means that that transcendent freedom, that transcendent spaciousness of spirit, of presence is found within form. Just like the scientists are proving this also, when they penetrate deep enough into form, they found energy, they find energy. This is what the yogis has been speaking about for thousands of years. So it is a little bit more of a challenging path to this path we call embodied spirituality. But the result of it is that we can, we experiment and explore to see if there is a split. Yeah, where can I find that split where spirit ends and body begins, for example? And I've been exploring this now for a long time (laughs) and I haven't found that split yet. So then you begin to, you know, open up to this predicament that, oh, all of these feelings, all of these thoughts that I thought was a hindrance to my spiritual awakening are actually just sometimes coagulated energy. It's energy that has just been fixated into certain patterns that were giving to me, that, you know, that my family repeated, my culture repeated. And uh, so my 
project in my spiritual practice is not to get rid of that because that would be to get rid of my own life energy. My practice is to move in and liberate that energy from these predictable patterns so it can return back into this present moment where evolution is happening, where growth is happening, where life is happening. I love that. Yeah, that that actually is a lot. It, just when you describe that, it's a lot of what I do in therapy where I do a body-centered style called focusing. And we actually are kind of just freeing up those patterns that are, yeah, almost like unfinished patterns in the past. It's like, okay, let's like, let's see if we can bring some love there to yourself because a lot of times it was, you froze because you felt like you weren't good enough or somebody is going to hurt you or things like that. And so unfreezing that it, it seems to, yeah, just bring more energy into the present moment with all of your different parts. And that's making me wonder about another question I want to ask you as well, which is how, you know, with everything going on today, I have friends who are, you know, typically quite resourced and very um, vibrant. And at the moment, I just find everyone is struggling so much. So (laughs) could you say a little bit about how like the goddess can help us in these times? Well, one of the beautiful ways that goddess energy is expressing itself is that it is taking myriads of form. It takes many different forms, which shows us also that that there's not one flavor of the divine. It's a celestial gallery. It's like, you know, a gazillion expressions of the divine. And so this also means that we can call upon different, one can say guides and helps according to what situation you are in. Uh, One of the most essential things to focus on in these times, I think, is to regulate the body, is to really see that to regulate the nervous system first, before you believe any thoughts, any stories, you take care of the nervous system first, sets you up to be more connected also with spirit. Like you mentioned in therapy, one bridge that I like to make from therapy or from the more psychology to spiritual practice is around attachment theory. Because what I see is that a lot of the suffering that we as modern humans experience today is that we have insecure attachment to our own bodies. We have insecure attachment to our own culture. We have insecure attachment to our own, to earth and to goddess or God or spirit or whatever name you put on source. And we can use that framework in psychology. You know, this framework is used a lot in terms of relationships to other humans but we like to broaden this concept into tuning into this we consciousness that that has to do with all the things that are around you all the time. You begin to see that, oh, that it is an illusion that I feel alone and unsupported, that, that there are support at any moment available to me. So we are working a lot with that. that this is what we call rooted in her, is it's actually to establish that secure attachment. You know, in the psychology. They speak about insecure attachment and styles. And two yeah, of yeah. the two of them is avoidance, yeah. that we feel we buckle up and we feel we have to do it all ourselves. It's all up yeah. to me. Yeah. And when we look at spirituality today, one can actually see that a lot of spiritual paths and theories is actually created out of an avoidance, insecure attachment style. So that like I'm above, I'm alone, I'm isolated. And then earth and body and others are just objects for me to defend myself against or manipulate to get what I want. And of course, another insecure attachment style is to 
to uh, be anxious, yeah, that, oh, I'm going to lose love, love, and we begin to lean out of ourselves to get what we want. And we see that in spirituality too, that we look for that which our heart is guiding us to. We look for it outside ourselves. Right. Uh, so all our work is, is that invitation from God is, is to root ourselves in, in, in source. In, and, and that is through the body, through earth, through food, through water, through air, through the fire, like it's really to weave ourselves into a primordial belonging that we have forgotten, you know, in, in these kind of coping mechanisms. So all of that is a long, long way to say that we are in crisis. The body, although maybe you in this moment feel safe, the body is 100% connected to all other bodies, including earth body. So there is a, there's a, undercurrent and undertow of crisis going on so the body's just doing it's intelligent it's doing what it's supposed to do it mobilizes but when it mobilizes for crisis it also narrows in the possibilities and opportunities that we can see because we you know we have the focus and and uh, in that focus there's also you know just regulation and and mechanism in the body that is put on hold and that's why we begin to you know experience these different symptoms of stress and disoriented confused don't feeling we can find our ground uh, you know grasping for solutions and, and quick kind of definitions of what's going on in, in an attempt to feel safe yes you know our, our job right now is to to uh, reach for that resilience and and our capacity to stay in the unknown in uncertainty you know our bodies are really our best friend. So take care of the body first. Yes, I love that answer. I love, like when you said, was it primordial? There's something you said about- Belonging, yes. Primordial belonging. Wow, that that just said so much. And, and what you just said as well about, I think that is really profound, that message that even when you're feeling most alone, um, like I'm thinking of this friend who, yeah, usually she's, you know, very, everything's going quite well. She's she's shifted from her usual state and it's just making me think there is depth that she is gaining. There is, you know, awareness that, that she's opening into. And so the only piece is that sometimes you think you're completely alone in it. Whereas it sounds like if you can really tap into, and I, I felt this myself actually, when I was like listening to your sadness, I was like, Oh, this feels so good because it's, it, it is kind of like beyond the personal it feels so amazing to know that, that we are, like you said, there's this undercurrent beneath our own personal uh, processes and <laughs> understandings. There is this, this actually like connection that is always there, even in the most, like the lowest of lows kind of thing. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Bringing that in because I think a lot of times when we start to feel low and I, I, I work with a lot of people who might be in depressive or anxious states. And for many, they feel more alone as they start to feel that state shifting out of what they view as, yeah, as you said, even if they have sort of a spiritual understanding, even that can, that can even cause more sometimes separation where they think, oh, I, I shouldn't call my friends because I'm not being myself. And then it, it feels like it leads to more isolation, more withdrawal. And it's, it's really interesting to me to consider that tapping in, even on sort of an energetic level. It's mm -hmm. like oh, that, even as a therapist, I'm like, that takes the pressure off me. <laughs> 
like it's like it's not just you know not just for me to um be that attachment figure but for us to actually lean into that um, yeah there's a beautiful term in the sanskrit called adhara shakti mm-hmm. which is the is the quality of support adhara adhara shakti and it is the quality of support that is within different forms so it can take form of the surface underneath your body right now it's adhara shakti is to mm-hmm. see that yes right now it's maybe a seat but it is a quality you can bring with you even if that seat disappears it is a it's in gravity it's in earth it is in the food and water it is whatever is supporting you it's the breath it can be a simple practice it can be community and of course a, a therapist or a guide holding that aspect for you to reflect the fact that it is within you all the time yeah it is a, something that's intrinsic to us and it can be incredible helpful to establish a relationship to that to begin to see that oh yeah there is actually you know this breath is supporting me right now mm-hmm. what an incredible loyal love i am experiencing in this breath i love that yeah because your breath is always there so it doesn't take having to be in any particular place mm-hmm. and of course not make that into another ideology that we should yeah. hope on our own because we are flock animals we yeah each other so it is a it's a also it's a healthy response if we actually are suffering right now it is a healthy you know acknowledgement that i need more connection than i'm having right now yes i know i i was thinking about that too that it's it's both it's like yes finding that that support for at those times when you really are by yourself but actually also that it's a nervous system response like telling you that yeah this is like i need to be touched and i need to see faces and yeah it's like in person ideally i think that that really clicks with me that it's both and i wanted to ask you a little bit more about your own journey with the feminine i mean when i'm listening to your stuff i'm just like wow it sounds like you've just gone so deep with this you know this journey with the goddess and embodiment and i just wondered like what was there anything in particular that took you that way or did you just keep following your own heart and yeah well it was i i i started my spiritual practice really early like in my late teens uh, i you know i went to india i started to really focus my life to spiritual practice it was a deep longing within me and initially it was a, an attempt to get out of my suffering i was suffering a lot and uh there was a lot of spiritual paths telling me that if i only meditated enough if i did these practices i will reach a state where i didn't have to feel all these negative feelings that i was having so i became a very ambitious student and i had great realizations i was really meditating and practicing and very intensely and i had this realization of the dimension of my of myself that were not touched by all of these different story um, experiences i've had in my life my suffering and it was a tremendous freedom it was like that ex- realization of a of a love uh, that was within me it was in incredible liberation but nevertheless i experienced that predicament that i did not know how to live that in my life i you know w- whenever i opened my mouth or or started to speak or move old habits took over so it was that sense of a split it was like you know i got it i lost it i got it i lost it oh i have a spiritual experience but now i've lost it and i begin to see that all of the paths i was following 
they did not address the the opportunities and challenges I had as a modern woman, Western woman. And I saw that there this realization is not the end. It's actually the beginning. It's the beginning of beginning to integrate this in embodied life. And I saw it was actually 9-11, the attack on Manhattan. That was a big shift for me where I began to see that I'm actually not interested in having a spiritual experience. I'm not interested in having another high. I am interested to see how can I embody whatever trickle of love I know in my heart? How can I actually live it for real? And I did not know how to do that. My relationships at the time was like drama, drama, drama. I thought maybe I had to live alone for the rest of my life in order to stay true to this commitment. But I really did. I married myself in that moment. I really put a ring on my finger and I said, this is what I'm here for in my life. And I'm, even if I'm going to fail the rest of my life, I want to explore this. And uh, that commitment really opened a lot of doors for me because I jumped off the fence of trying to figure out how to do it. And it's just, okay, I don't know how, but I am two feet in. Right. And that was the beginning of this. I started to gather with the women. We started to explore how does awake consciousness express itself through the woman body? How does, you know, and, and we don't have so many role models for that. So that has been, you know, my my life journey, my life purpose <laughs> since then. Yes. Well, it definitely shows that you you kept following that, <laughs> that heart knowing because it's it's it as you said, there's not a lot of people I feel doing what you're doing. Like I'm so drawn when I hear authentic um embodiment of the feminine. It's like wow, like you know, I've had Jella Japan Heim. I don't know if you know her, but she's a beautiful author and I learned circle work from her. And you have some similarities there. And and recently I interviewed Sally Kempton, who I also feel has some mm. amazing yeah, depth with the feminine. So I feel so blessed to be having these women who are really representing that, yeah, that that deep embodiment of these subtle energies. And for me, it has been it has been what I've needed to focus on lately, like with so much upheaval with, you know, a lot of my clients having more difficult years than ever. And there's not a lot of my usual, I mean, I even moved a year ago. So a lot of change and and not my usual go-tos. It's been so profound to, yeah, stay anchored in, okay, something's opening here. Like something there's, it does seem small because as soon as there's so much to distract. As soon as I get there, sometimes there's something like, you know, whatever online or to do with people, but stuff can easily distract me. But I'm really trying to stay following that, that deep thread. And it, it does feel like there's this, like, even though times are like probably harder for everyone than ever, I do feel that sense more than ever also of being able to kind of hold myself or feeling with myself. So yeah, that's, that's what your work is uh, like, represented for me. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I just wanted to ask something around, I know that for me, I first heard the term feminine when I entered my master's degree and I had a teacher who um, was aligned with Marion Woodman and that was my first introduction to the feminine. So I was excited about the word and I, I keep following the thread with that term but I also know that like you know so much is changing and I and I know that sometimes the term for some people might even be off-putting and I'm just curious like what what your sense of it is is 
is there some kind of better way to, I mean, as you know, I use the word Shakti in the description of my podcast and I know it's not about men or women, but I'm interviewing women because that is the, the pocket I'm most interested in opening up. But yeah, sometimes I just wonder about that. I just wondered if, if it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess in a way, my sense is that to just keep working in that area, because I think that that term for me is continuing to still open more up. So I want to stay devoted to it. I just noticed that the world in its like division, there's so much misunderstanding around it. So I don't know if there's anything that comes to mind for you around, I don't know, the the language of it or the, yeah, just how to, how to stay with it and honor it and protect it too. So it doesn't feel like it's like that I too easily get jostled around trying to stay with it. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. yeah, I come, I come from Norway. So I have in Norway, these kind of gender definitions has been kind of disrupted for, for a long time already. So I have never had, uh, you know, a very, I have never been very attached to these kind of labels. In my experience, in my spirit, spiritual practice, the deeper I go, the less these terms feminine and masculine make sense to me. Uh, what we awaken to and and reclaiming is 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 beyond gender, and nevertheless it expresses itself through different forms. And in in my work, we are using the form first of all of the woman's circle, which is a portal into a specific wisdom. In my experience, it's accumulated wisdom stored in the archetype of the circle. And uh, so that is, but it's, one can say, just to kind of put it bluntly, it's like a method. Yeah. It's a portal in to, to our own source connection, which is beyond gender. But then of course the embodiment piece is also how that expresses itself through this body. And also in the tantric practices, we are using the physical body of the woman as portal in too. But we have, of course, uh, women that are uh, that maybe have transitioned from being another gender before, and maybe not have those same organs, and they still benefit tremendously from these practices. But nevertheless, like we are using, you know, we can use the womb, the womb space, but even, you know, I have had surgery, like I don't have one of my ovaries anymore. So we use the area there has an energetic imprint that is deeper than the organ. Just like when I say Adhara Shakti, it is an intrinsic energy that can take form as a seat underneath your body right now. It's the same thing with these organs. They are, the organ is a physical form of something deeper. Yeah. So, so it's, and that's where we are going, something deeper. Yes. You know, and also just, it wouldn't be relevant to have women's or feminine spirituality unless our spirituality has been so imbalanced towards men and masculine for yeah. so long. Yeah. So that's why it's relevant to speak about it, you know, to retrieve, to bring back a balance. Yeah. That's- yeah. And it's beautiful also what you're mentioning, because I also am very curious about all this, you know, there's so much more awareness around the restrictions around gender boxes. And there's a lot of kind of tossing everything up in the air. And then I see that the next phase of that is, of course, to then again celebrate. Because when we toss everything up in the air, we're going to have people identify as women (laughs) and men. But the point of tossing it up in the air is to 
for people to reclaim their freedom if they don't fit into these kind of two boxes that we, we you know, was our only choice for a long time. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, you know, when we toss everything up, the danger now is also to, that it becomes another erasures, erasure of the feminine and women. So yeah. you have to stay awake here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That makes so much sense. I love how you said that. I feel like in a way it's like, okay, let's toss it up and yeah, and, and make sure we've got this rainbow because of course there's so many different people who, yeah, don't fit inside boxes and even for ourselves who might have grown up with certain projections on the feminine, we need to throw it up in order to kind of <laughs> see what's what, like, <laughs> you know, use our discernment and go, okay, what parts like feel true to me? What do I want to keep? And it, it, it can feel really unsettling when it's all up in the air and it's like, wait, what, what was I getting at here? Because, you, you know, I can feel like I'm, I'm starting to get deep into something and then something could kind of certain information could kind of shift me to going almost so existential again. And I'm like, Oh, wait, what, (laughs) what happened to, I felt that there was an anchoring, there was a grounding in, in that, yeah, the, the terms will, we may evolve with over time. But to me, the fact that I'm now, because I grew up in a culture, I feel in Canada, probably like most of the West, I felt I grew up in a culture that was so you know, masculine in the sense that even left brain, like, okay, you're going to present and you're going to describe your diorama, even from like grade two, it's like, suddenly you're not playing anymore. You're actually having to be concise and present. And it kind of shifts from that right brain flow and curiosity. And so for me, you know, finding my way back fully into my body and, 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 you know, owning that natural creativity and playfulness and yeah, heart centered way that then feels, okay, it's not disconnected from the mind. It's not like you're like, you know, there is no divide as you said, but to actually honor all of that feels like it requires a certain commitment to that, that journey of really like feminine embodiment. I like when you mentioned, you know, like left brain dominance is more precise than to say masculine dominant. Yeah. Because it's like people get a little tripped up by these definitions. Yeah. And we get also very identified with it. Like, uh, you know, I, I make a point in our, in, in the, our women's circle work to, to point out that our, our project, our agenda is not to create like the perfect feminine, you know, like, Oh, now I'm going to be the, you know, more feminine and I'm going to be, you know, a certain way. You see that, you know, like in the, in the field of, of goddess work now that that's, it's almost like the goddess is kidnapped into the same thinking of like, Oh, I'm going to create a certain kind of fixed identity that is going to be just a more perfect version of me. And, um, and then we reject parts of ourselves that we have overdosed on and we are, we don't want anymore. But again, we end up in that split, which is the, cause of suffering so um yeah it's 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 about integration and weaving that's really well said I really resonate with that a lot because I think I've been in that trap where I'm looking and going oh my gosh this person lives in some tropical place and they're always wearing these beautiful long dresses and it's like oh that (laughs) you know definitely I I you know like can feel, I mean, a pull naturally, because I, I feel that that would be great to be in a tropical place, but also, you know, it's like, there's, there's something real there where it's like, it looks lovely. Um, it looks beautiful, 
But that's the piece is that it looks this way. You have no idea what, you know, how all the different feelings that that person's experiencing in that day. And, you know, and that you're cutting off from your present moment if you're comparing and yeah. And kind of it, that can be addictive too. Yeah. So yeah, no, I love that you say that, that it's about letting in all those different shades and it's like, yeah, those different shades, it, yeah, it it just seems like it's honoring of our humanness. Yeah. And you know, when the work that I'm immersed in, it has to do with bringing awareness to places where, where, where energy has clogged up yeah, into these repetitive patterns. And um, it is easy in our spiritual path when we begin, or even in therapeutic path, when we begin to see some of these patterns that we just want to, you know, move away from it. And what we are oftentimes doing is that we, I'm, we say, I'm not that, now I want to be this. And then we create another, like I call these ice cubes, it's like frozen energy, like, fro- like it becomes stagnant. And then we move into that as an identity. I'm like this. But every identity that we move into in that way will, even if it's a successful and beautiful identity, we will, we will feel a sense of lack because it is uprooted and limited compared to who we are. So in our work, we are going to melting these different boxes so that energy can come back into its natural response to this moment instead of like a a response that we have decided 10 years 20 years ago yeah like sometimes we could you have that experience yeah when you go into a room and it's almost like your belief move into the room before you and want to be right about your belief yeah but so when all of this melts it just comes back to how spirit uniquely expresses itself through you and that you know, it's, um, yeah, it's unique. It's not really something that you can, you know, it's not an ABC recipe of how that's going to look like. Right. Yeah. You can't compare because it's not something to achieve so much as um, just a, a, a real honesty with yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your being. Wow. I love that. <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I'm just wondering, is there anything else that feels important to share either, you know, really around any of this. I don't know if anything feels like it's coming through for you. And as we move toward kind of the end of our interview. Well, I can continue a little bit about what I was saying about identity because it's, and it's just important to dif- to kind of create some nuances around it because ultimately a spiritual awakening is to awaken to a sense of self that is bigger than the different identities that you have glued yourself onto. Uh, you begin to Awaken, and that and when I say this, this is not like something in the future, like right now in this moment. There is an awareness here, and there is a possibility to turn our awareness to awareness itself, and we begin to discover that ah, oh, there is a dimension of myself here that is uh, deeper than everything I'm experiencing. It's deeper than my thoughts and feelings and sensations. It's hundred percent here and with practice we can anchor ourselves sense of self in that kind of deeper ocean and then from there the waves of our personality will express themselves and of course you are you know you are working as a therapist and i i used to work as a therapist before and i used to work with at-risk youth and some of these young people they hadn't established a sense of self that was reliable or solid or healthy because they hadn't had that 
you know, support in their life. And I saw that for them, their work was not to go directly to spiritual awakening. You know, the work there was to actually establish a sense of secure self, like a predictability that that was important first. Yeah. Like I like to use the, the, the image of a room that when I worked with these young people, the room of their selves was just like, this room where all the furnitures were tossed over, it was messy, it was dirty, it was chaotic. And our work was really to put some of these furnitures in the right place, yeah? Like it, it's a work that takes time to kind of create a little order, a sense of ground, a sense of, oh, okay, I can begin to see what's, you know, my history, my, my the connections with why I'm acting like this, all of that. That was kind of a work. But yeah. then you can see that in a therapeutic model that, that it has its limitations, that after a while, if we, like, it can move into self-improvement, where we begin to just move around furnitures and we, you know, move them around and move them around, like in this kind of attempt of finding the perfect model for this room. Um, And here's where spiritual awakening comes in, where we begin to see that, oh, all of this is here, the furnitures are here, but then we begin to discover that, oh, there are no walls to this room. And we begin to just, you know, put our awareness also beyond the, the perceived walls. And we begin to see, oh, yes, this history is here. These wounds are here. These habits are here. But I'm, I'm, it's not all that I am. I'm more than this. And that's where awakening, spiritual awakening happens outside time. It can happen, right? It's, it's not dependent on the furnitures being in a certain way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's just different. Yeah. And they go together. It's not yeah. like a contradictory. And like I said, with these kids I work with, you had to do that work. Yeah. And that takes time. And why I speak about this is also because we have people coming to the woman's circle uh, where it's obvious that they also need that kind of work. Uh, because if not, it's going to be very disoriented yeah. to, you know, to just kind of feel yourself as a a space basically <laughs> like you know and how you know it can feel uh, disoriented to let go of identities if you don't have that kind of core okay. which is important too so it just I, I just felt to speak to that since you yeah. are working in the therapeutic model oh I love that I love that because number one I was just saying to a friend last night that I said yeah when I worked with you know younger like teens a lot of times, for example, I've worked with like young women and teens around like boundaries because they were so open and kind of trusting and then, you know, all kinds of things, but boundary ruptures would happen. And so my job was to really ground them in, there's a body, my boundary of my skin, there's the boundary of my, my own space. And so the work with them was so much about like, yeah, in a way, like trying to solidify some identity so that they knew what they wanted and needed. And then how, you know, when I'm working with people more my age, it's like a lot of times it is unravel, like unpacking those identities, like, like, oh yeah, could I, is there a little more space around this idea I have about myself? Is there a possibility for some spaciousness now? And And yeah, sometimes those moments do happen where people do realize, I think, what you just described. But the way I work, I find it, I've gotten better over the years now that I've been doing it for 10 years. And I'm like, oh, I I needed to do a lot of scaffolding on the way there so that people could trust that, I don't know, that things could, 
that they have something to hold on to. Like if things feel overwhelming because of having people generally having trauma histories that are coming in. Yeah. Um, but then there are times now where they sort of let me know in a way, like they'll kind of say like, they'll indicate that they want to go a little deeper and I'll say, okay, so by a little deeper, do you mean that we can sort of like, you know, expand this and that you will be, you know, that, that that's okay. If, if you say big feelings do come up now and that will be out of our hands to some extent, we can't like, you know, keep it any certain way because you can't really control emotions. So, you know, I kind of let them know things like that. And then once they sort of go with that often, like, once I've just said those things, like once I've just acknowledged that like, hey, something big could happen here and I'm here for you, then I find more and more people are dropping into those spaces where the walls open. And yeah, so that I love. Beautiful. It's beautiful the way you spoke about it, a scaffolding, scaffolding, like you have a little, yeah, you have those things. And it is similar to, to the attachment theory in the sense that like, that young girl or boy that you were working with when when they can feel their own bodies and their own boundaries that gives freedom you know when think that those boundaries creates restrictions but it's the other way around yeah yeah like I used to have a little puppy I was fostering a puppy and she was you know she's starting to be very very attached to me and she came from a trauma background too so I worked a lot with her. And at one point I felt like insecure that, oh, is it healthy that she's so attached to me? Because of course she, I was just fostering her and she was going to be adopted. But then I saw that that capacity to attach is something she's going to bring with her wherever she goes. Yeah. That, you know, that that secure attachment is something happening within her yeah. that she can now do. She has learned to do that, yeah, healthy in a healthy way. So it gives her freedom to move into the world and and okay. have, you know have love loving relationships. Yes, I love that, and that's exactly yeah. I think that is something that I can really understand from the therapy realm too. And but I also really appreciate what you shared there around that that difference of where we're working, like. I mean, sometimes you are going in therapy, like it can look like so many different things. Like I find depending on what, where the moment is taking us, but a lot of times, because people are going to a therapist, they're often expecting that you're going to be working on past things. So of course we do, we do look at what happened in that moment. Like what was that part of you? Cause we don't want to like get lost there, but it's like, I will go to that often that place of like where their adult self is with them. And it's like, what was what was she longing to hear? Or, you know, might often it is just like a hand or a pat on the back or a hug. But when we get to those moments, they do resolve something. And then, yeah, again, it's, it's fascinating because I do see how psychological work can seem limited. And I know you weren't saying that, but I, I think sometimes in more in the general spiritual world, they, they go, Oh, that's just talk therapy. But it's like, to me, it's like, no, that I see that taking people to the the other place too, it's a, such a fine line because sometimes that very opening does lead to a shift within that is, it can be really sudden and it can be really huge. And actually like something, say attention that they're carrying in their heart space, like their whole life, suddenly that can melt. So it's like really understanding that that other place you can go to is, as you were saying, it's like this place where you, you know, that you're so much more, you, you just don't, feel caught in in any of those identities and yeah I just love how you described that that really spacious kind of 
sense of awareness. That's a radical shift in awareness. And then a lot of kind of, I will say, it's almost cheating or um, a lot of uh, dogma is put on top of that awakening as if that awakening resolves all of embodied life, which it it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, we see, you know, so many kind of gurus or spiritual leaders uh, moving out into that light and then leaving parts of themselves behind that kind of becomes shadow. And we see it so much now, yeah, that shadow parts of these very bright souls are playing itself out without parental supervision <laughs> vision because it kind of it doesn't have a space in that kind of idea of arrival in a certain spiritual state. And that's where I feel the goddess bring some kind of sanity and a little whip back in and says, hey, 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 you know, don't create split in my to- in my totality. And uh, if, if this body has experienced trauma, you know, this body's wired in a certain way and to rewire that takes time everything in physical matter takes time it, yeah. it is another kind of process it takes a lot of compassion a lot of patience yeah the more we push and uh, you know the body the more the body will protect like that harsh voice to think like oh you should be beyond this now you should be over you how much therapy have you done now you know that voice is the very voice that made the body Yes. protect in the first place so it just it requires of so much kindness and compassion in order for the body to open it it, it will open because it's yeah. natural and feels good to open yes yeah. so just bring some you know like a flower you bring some sun some water and it will open yes. but yeah oh, i so agree you're definitely <laughs> singing to the choir and i do find it like kind of funny when sometimes people come for like three sessions they're like yeah i've got three sessions on my benefits and they think they're gonna have this like you know huge i don't know what but sometimes some, some huge awakening and i'm like well you know it's it has a lot to do with the trust that we develop together and um can it often does if it has to do with anything that's relational so it often will have to do with us getting to that place where you feel safe enough to reach those places within that yeah anyone could do on their own but often they won't because it's you know it's not so it, it's just it can be terrifying to just mm-hmm. drop some of that stuff that that you've held on to your whole life sometimes yeah there's a beautiful there's a beautiful myth uh one of our like oldest goddess poems or oldest poems that is written down is the the myth of Inanna. She was a Sumerian goddess. And it is said that she voluntarily went down into the underworld and she undergoes this initiation down there. And and then she ascends again, uh, transformed. And before she goes down, she calls upon her priestess, Ninshuber, and she asks the priestess to keep guard at the surface and then she goes down so the priestess is there beating the drum for three days as the goddess descends down and um, that is such a beautiful just the framework for also for therapy is that you 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 know the therapist can have the role of the priestess beating the drum for you on the surface as you go down into those feelings where you can get lost and you don't know what's going on and it's not clear the way, the path, nothing is clear, but someone is there holding that space. And then of course, that someone is mirroring to us a capacity within ourselves. Yeah. So a successful therapy has been that then is, you know, 
yeah. awakened in the in the person and going down you know eventually but again that's a process and it's just such yeah. a beautiful dance um, yeah. that we can do together I love how you said that and oh I so appreciate everything you've shared yeah I just I really appreciate like that you brought your wisdom and I'm excited to just share this out and I think it'll touch so many people thank you Shamalee's sound was muted when she said goodbye, so let me close by sharing a quote of hers with you. Let the world kiss you, sister. Let the moment kiss the most raw and tender spot in your heart until you cannot help but surrender open. Thank you for joining us at Shakti Stories, where we are empowering feminine bliss.